Thank you, Chris. He always gives such a nice introduction. And Merry Christmas to all. This morning, I'm going to talk about the faith of Mary. But first of all, I want to share a very cute story with you before we get into scripture. If you've heard it before, you're just going to have to bear with me. The title of this is Shirley and Marcy. A mother was concerned about her kindergarten son walking to school. He didn't want his mother to walk with him. She wanted to give him the feeling that he had some independence, but yet know that he was safe. So she had an idea of how to handle it. She asked a neighbor if she would please follow him to school in the mornings, staying at a distance so he probably wouldn't notice her. She said that since she was up early with her toddler anyway, it would be a good way for them to get some exercise as well. So she agreed. The next school day, the neighbor and her little girl set out following behind Timmy as he walked to school with another neighborhood girl he knew. She did this for a whole week. As the two kids walked and chatted, kicking stones and twigs, Timmy's little friend noticed the same lady was following them as she seemed to do every day all week. Finally, she said to Timmy, have you noticed that lady following us to school all week? Do you know her? Timmy nonchalantly replied, yeah, I know who she is. The little girl said, well, who is she? That's just Shirley Goodnest, Timmy replied, and her daughter Marcy. Shirley Goodnest, who is she and why is she following us? Well, Timmy explained, Every night, my mom makes me say the 23rd Psalm with my prayers because she worries about me so much. And in the Psalm, it says, Shirley Goodnest and Mossy shall follow me all the days of my life. So I guess I'll just have to get used to it. <laughs> That's just a, one of the very few stories that you can uh, share from Facebook. Well, let us go now um, into scripture. The reading this morning is from Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you ought to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Praise be to God. Let us go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the birth of your son. Thank you for the faith that you give to each of us. Thank you for the abundant grace and blessings you bestow on us. Thank you for being there when we need you the most. May God give us the ears to hear his words and the heart to understand them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever wondered who our teens look up to the most? I found a survey on the internet, so of course we all know that it's true, um, that most teens look up to their parents. Yep, believe it or not, they look up to us. Most of the time, they don't think we know anything, and we don't understand anything for sure. But all the same, they look up to us. Some even mimic us. That's a little scary. Parents are their biggest role models. And that's a lot of everyday pressure for us. See, any other role model in their life changes with time because the role model is seen, in most cases, for what they portray, what makes them famous, not for who they truly are on the inside. The most popular woman who ever lived is rarely looked upon as a role model. She was not cool, not stylish, she played no music, was not wealthy or beautiful. She was not even known outside of her city. She never went to school and was illiterate. But she had an inner beauty that impressed even God. Her inner beauty was so magnificent that she was chosen out of all women to become the mother of the most important person of all time. Her name was Mary, and she became the mother of Jesus Christ. Whether we are teens or adults, Mary's faith and obedience to God should make her all our role model. Mary was only a young teen 
13, 14 years old when the angel Gabriel came to her. I know if I saw an angel at any age and he spoke to me, I would be panicked. When God calls us for his purpose, it can be at any age. Take me, for instance. God called me to the ministry at the ripe old age of 59. Had it been my own planning, I surely would have done it when I was younger and school would have been a lot easier. But God's timing is perfect. He knows even before we are born what his plan is for us. What our purpose in his kingdom here on earth. Look at Samuel. God called him when he was just a young boy. David was a young teen when his faith won the battle with Goliath. Daniel, he was about 16 when he was first imprisoned and was willing to face death rather than worship false gods. Abraham, he was in his 70s when God used him. Mary knew fear. Part of her fear was that God called her. She was needed for God's purpose, even at such a young age. Don't we feel fear or at least an uneasiness as God moves us forward and out of our comfort zone, as he calls us to do his will? But Mary had faith. What is spiritual faith? It is believing that what God says will happen. Mary's cousin Elizabeth said, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And that's in Luke. Faith is not something we possess, but something that possesses us. Faith is an obedient response to God, showing himself in our lives. In Jesus Christ, we have experienced God as loving and giving, and that is called grace. Grace is God's love and care in action. Faith is active. What kind of faith is it if I believe in God, I believe Jesus was God's son born of the Virgin Mary, I believe Jesus spoke the truth and that he lived and rose from the dead so that I can be forgiven. But if I believe God has promised to give me abundant life and eternal life, but then go about ignoring the way of God, the way he has commanded me to live, that is not faith. Faith implies a willingness to follow God. Trusting in God to deliver each of us from despair, discouragement, hard times, 
This does not come from the faith of our parents or our friends, although some of them do help plant the seeds of our faith. Faith only comes as we discover for ourselves that we, each one of us, has been favored, chosen, and blessed by God. Each one of us. Faith only comes as we discover for ourselves that we, each one of us, has been favored, chosen, and blessed by God. John Wesley stated, we are saved from sin and have been made holy by faith. Mary's faith was not a mindless, blind leap. She questioned her calling. She questioned the angel when he came to her. So we too should question and not feel ashamed or that we have any less faith by doing so. For how else are we to understand our calling or the direction that we are to go in? We should question if where we are in life has been God-led or is a result of our own selfish ways. Where does God want us in the future? Just because we have faith, it does not mean we are blind. Think of all God was asking of Mary. She was just like you or I when we were young teenagers. There was nothing divine about her. She was humble, meek, and human. In those early times, marriages were prearranged. The parents would make a contract and a price would be paid. The new couple's engagement, so-called, would usually last about a year. And so it was with Mary and Joseph. But Mary would be with child, even though she was never with a man. She had to explain all this to her fiancé, Joseph. She could have been stoned for adultery. Then the long trip, about 80 miles by roads today, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. About four days travel while nine months pregnant. And we complain about swollen ankles. The rearing of Jesus. She was to be the mother of God's son. God's only son. The challenge of raising God's son. The discipline and guidance she enforced and role modeled. Then observing her young adult son preaching, healing, performing miracles. She must have felt very proud and yet still fearful for her son. Then when he was condemned, tortured and hung on that cross, the most unbearable thing a parent could experience 
She watched her son hang on that cross. She watched his most horrible death. And there was nothing that she could do. She loved him so much. He was her child. She was his mother. She was there as they lowered him down. She was there as they wrapped him and put him in the tomb. Then Easter morning, and the word came that he was not there. What would a mother think? What was going on? Where was her son's body? And the story goes on. What a calling he gave to that young girl, 13, 14 years old, in the very beginning, that young girl, Mary. Would you say you have faith like Mary, who was willing to believe the impossible and step out and trust God? If not, why not? What is it in your life that stops you short? Remember, always remember, nothing is impossible with God. Mary lived out what, what her son later advised. She was wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. A soft heart does not mean a soft head. Faith is not a sign of weakness. Mary is a true testament of strength given from God to those who quietly receive it. Even though new opportunities that God calls us to can be scary, remember, he will give us strength through faith, just as he gave Mary. He does not call the equipped, but equips those he calls. No matter what trial we are going through, he will be at our side. Remember, we are never alone. As the poem Footprints in the Sand tells us, God always walks beside us. But when we are at our saddest and lowest times, that is when God carries us. He loves us. So as we hear the Christmas story again this year, the birth of our Savior, our hope born for all mankind, let us view it through the eyes of a woman of faith, through Mary's eyes. Faith is not dwelling on what we do not understand, but being faithful to the light we are given. Let us commit all that we are to all that we know of God and Jesus Christ. As we know more of who we are, there will be more to invest in a God who has come to us just as he did to Mary and says, fear not. Mary stands out on the cornerstone of faith for she not only prepared the way of the Lord, she provided him room. In closing, 
Although we, ex we are excited and joyous, the anticipating the birth of our Savior, our church family is hurting and sad this week. So my prayer is very close to my heart this morning. My prayer this Christmas season is for all of us that we believe, believe and have great faith in the one who is always right beside us in all that he asks of us. Just as Mary provided him room in her heart, I hope each one of us prepares to make room for him in our hearts and in our lives. Welcome him in. In just seven days, it will be Christmas. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. You know, Renee reminds us that in the, the story of Mary, we, we again meet an unlikely role model, an unlikely hero, if you will, of faith. And you know, the, the Bible's full of those men and women that if we knew, if we'd been there, if we'd been neighbors, we'd been friends, we'd been co-workers with so many of these folks, we'd have been like, why would God choose you? That doesn't sound harsh, and it sounds like judgmental, but we'd be, like, there'd be nothing spectacular about them based on the way that we often see. But as the psalm, or as, as, as the prophet reminds us in the story of David, it's not that God doesn't look on the external. He looks at the heart. And when he looked at Mary and looked at so many others, he saw someone who was willing to be obedient, even when it didn't make sense, even when it seemed beyond outlandish. And that's what Mary exemplified, that, that willingness to, to be obedient. And, and so often that's what we see in the, these stories is, is God saw something and, and Christ sees something and that is a heart that's willing to, to be obedient even when the story and the path doesn't seem to make sense. And as I think and we prepare for communion, that's what I think about as, as I look figuratively at that table around the supper. You know, why would God have chosen these people, these fishermen and tax collectors and, and kind of bottom rungers, if you will? Why would he choose them? He recognized in them a willingness to be obedient, a path that very soon after this meal was not going to make any sense. And so he gives them something to be their strength. It's the promise of his presence. That's what he gives to us. What does God see when he looks at us? Like he looked at Mary. Does he see hearts that are willing to be obedient? And when we are, we become open to his presence, to his strength, to this gift that he gives, this meal for us that reminds us. It's a tangible way to remember Christ is with us. And his strength becomes our strength. His hope becomes our hope. And um, his obedience, we pray, becomes our obedience. So let us remember that, that Jesus there gathered with his disciples, gathered with his friends, and he took bread, and he gave thanks to God, and he broke it.
He said, this is my body that is broken for you. It is for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat it, every time you receive it, remember me. Remember me. Then Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to God and again he gave it to them and he said, this is my blood of a new covenant. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you do it, again, remember me. And that's not an external remembrance, it's an internal experience. Remember, I'm with you. Remember, I'm there. And as you strive for obedience, I will give you strength. That's what Mary reminds us of. That's what so many remind us of, and that's what Christ calls us to. Friends, let's pray. Gracious Lord, bless these gifts of bread and juice, that for us they would be the body and blood of Christ, and, and that we would remember two truths, that, that you fill us. Your blood, your body was broken, your blood was spilled so that we'd be forgiven, but we would also have the promise of your presence now and forever. And as we receive that hope and strength and peace, help us then to live it, to become the body of Christ, to live your love and to share your grace and your good news. That we would tell your story until there is no longer breath in us. And in that moment, we will step into your kingdom and we will forever worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you all thanks. And we ask that you'd strengthen us in faithful obedience, unite us together in service as we look to Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, and we lift our hearts to you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now I want to invite our communion servers to take their place at, at each of the stations. And um, as they do, I know most of you know this part of our worship, but if you are a guest with us, in just a moment, you're invited to any of the four stations. There are two in the back and two here in the front to receive communion by intinction, to dip it into the, receive the bread, dip it into the juice, and thereby receive that body and blood of Christ. It's a tangible experience of remembering, reminding us of a, of a spiritual truth. Christ is with us. And as we have the beautiful poinsettias up today, as the altar is covered, we just invite you to, to return to reflect and pray. Uh, if you can't come forward, you let us know. We'll bring communion to you. And then lastly, as always, this is not an obligation. If you would rather just stay and reflect, do so. But uh, this is an opportunity God gives us. It's his presence. It's his table. He's made it ready. And friends, as you're led, you're invited now to come and to receive.
And Lord, that is our prayer, that the cry of our hearts, the truth of our praise would be adoration for the gift of Jesus Christ. But that adoration would be manifest in our obedience, in our faithfulness, in our willing to, to follow you where you would lead, to trust when our eyes don't always see. May that be the testimony of our faith and the truth of our adoration for you. We pray it in the name of Christ Jesus. And we go now in your strength and peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Okay, perfect. Well, I'll leave this copy here just in case. one to Test one.
The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's Long lay the world in sin and narrow pining till he appeared and the soul.
Good morning. Welcome. This fourth Sunday of Advent, this uh, cantata Sunday, know you are in for a blessing. Uh, as this morning, uh, we worship, but we worship a little differently as the message is, is brought to us through song and this, um, these songs and music that this choir has worked for months on to prepare. So know you're going to be blessed. We welcome you, whether you are with us every week or, or you're a guest with us today, maybe you're visiting from, from another church for this cantata. Whatever reason you may be here today, we welcome you and are just thrilled to have you with us. Uh, now, as far as announcements go, I just want to highlight uh, really one announcement, and that pertains to next weekend. Again, you've heard me say it for a few weeks now, but I want to remind you of our, our Christmas Eve and our Christmas Day schedule next Saturday and Sunday. And again, Christmas Eve services next Saturday night at 4 o'clock and at 6 o'clock and at 8 o'clock. All three are fairly traditional feeling services. Each are a little different in, in uh, some of the, the music, but uh, each are candlelight services. So we'll, we'll conclude each with the traditional lighting of the candles and the singing of Silent Night. So again, next Saturday, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and at 8 o'clock. And then next Sunday morning, if you would like to join us for Christmas Day worship, uh, can, we're calling it kind of a family gathering next week, uh, 10 o'clock, one service, 10 o'clock next week. We will return the following week, New Year's Day, to our, our normal three, 815, 945, and 1111. But on Christmas Day, one service, 10 o'clock. So we hope you'll join us for any or for all of those services, if you're so inclined, uh, next weekend. So now let me uh, ask you to stand and say hello to each other. We prepare now our hearts to worship.
Thank you, friends. Please be seated. And this morning, we continue each, or uh, we continue with our Advent tradition of lighting of the Advent wreath. And each week, we have different um, folks in the church to lead us. This morning, we're blessed. We always are blessed, but we're blessed to have our children leading us in our reading for the for the Advent wreath this morning. So I'm going to invite Miss Ethel and the children who are coming up to read. You know where you are. Come on up. And uh, they're going to lead us in the, in the reading. You can follow along on the screens. And then in the prayer, which we will pray together. And again, that will be on the screens in front of you. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of joy. We light it in the candles of hope and peace again as we remember that Christ, who was born in Bethlehem, will come again to fulfill all of God's promises and bring us everlasting peace and joy. The fourth candle of the Advent is the candle of love. God's love is a perfect love. It holds nothing back. God and love gives us everything we need to live a life of hope and peace. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus shows us God's perfect love. This is what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, and envies no one. Love is never boastful or conceited, rude, or selfish. Love is not quick to take offense. It keeps no records of wrongs. It does not gloat over other people's troubles, but rejoices in the right, the good, and the true. There There is nothing that love cannot face. There is no limit to its faith, to its hope, to its endurance. Love never ends. We light the candle of love to remind us that Jesus brings us God's love and shows us how to love others. Love is like shining in light shining in a dark place. As we look at this candle, we celebrate the love we find in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the love you give us. We ask that as we wait for all your promises to come true and for Christ to come again, that you would remain present with us. Help us today and every day to worship you, to hear your word, and to do your will by sharing your love with each other. We ask it in the name of the one who was born in Bethlehem. Amen. And uh, 
I want to thank Miss Ethel for organizing all these wonderful young faces to come and to read for us this morning. And, uh, and as they're now, Miss Ethel's going to make her way out with the kids. Any children that would like to join us for Children's Church this morning, you're invited now to, to make your way uh, with the kids. And so we, uh, we complete the circle today of the Advent wreath as we have lit in these weeks and, and as the kids led us, as we've lit the candles of hope and of um, joy and of peace and of love. And certainly we look forward to, to worshiping next weekend as we light the Christ candle. But uh, these, these candles represent for us what we, we pray are the, the experiences, the realities of what Christmas becomes for us, an opportunity to experience anew God's love and his peace and his joy and his hope. And um, we know that that's sometimes much easier to profess than it is to feel. That's much easier to, to long for than it is to receive because, as it is always, there are challenges we face. And, and many of us come in today, many of you come in searching for those experiences of Christmas, longing for those experiences of Christmas. And as we turn to prayer, it's an opportunity for you to pray for that and, and each of the challenges that, that we all face, but that you may feel very um, acutely today and to lift those needs up in prayer. Uh, as a church family, we, we have a number of needs that have really pressed upon us this week. And, and the, the greatest of those of these, and many of you know this, most of you probably through social media, but, but last Sunday morning, uh, the daughter of, of our administrative assistant here, uh, Liz Mox, and her daughter Mackenzie, who we have prayed for for months in a variety of needs, uh, Mackenzie went home to the Lord and um, passed away last Sunday morning uh, while we were in worship. Really was received into God's kingdom, and, and for that, we rejoice for her, but we recognize uh, for Liz and for Meg and her mom and her sister, for all her family, and for many of us, our hearts uh, continue to break. And we pray God's strength in the midst of that. And I know in asking you to pray for them, I really don't need to because you have been and will continue to be. But lift, lift them and each of us who, who have loved her and are going to, to miss her until the day comes we see her again. So, so we lift that prayer need. Um, also want to, to let you know, if you don't, that Bob Warren... Men, faithful member, very often at this service, uh, his wife Clara passed away last week as well. So we lift Bob Warren and family um, in our prayers. So these are just a couple of the needs that are very close to us here. Uh, we also want to extend that that wider view as we pray. Uh, you know, we we celebrate a time when we sing about peace, we pray for peace, and we're reminded so often how much of the world um, is experiencing anything but peace. And before us this week have been the images from what's going on in Aleppo, especially as the children who are suffering greatly in their families. And we just pray for that part of the world. We pray for all parts of the world that are experiencing such violence. But, uh, but that is, is before us, and I ask your prayers to be there. And then lastly, we, we kind of joke about it here. We, we're insulated. We're kind of in our Florida bubble right now where it's 80 degrees. And um, it's very, very comfortable, but much of the country is experiencing dangerous cold weather. Uh, many of you know that because that's why you're here um, right now. 
but, but in all seriousness, as, as much as some of us in, and I'll plead kind of ignorance, I have no concept of what 20 degree feels like, temperature feels like, um, but, but much of the country is in that. I have friends who serve churches in Illinois today that have canceled worship because of the, the danger and wanting people to be safe. And so, um, again, it's tempting to kind of have a little bit of a laugh because, you know, the only snow we're going to see is going to be on the screens behind us in a little bit. Um, but we do want to pray for those who really are facing very treacherous and very dangerous circumstances. So we lift them up. So each of these and many other needs that are on your heart, I just want to invite you to join me as we go to God in a moment of prayer. Gracious Lord, the, the longing of Christmas, that we would know the, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Christ powerfully and personally in this holy season. That's our longing. We, Lord, Lord, we know that sometimes that reality is much harder to come by. I know that there are many here today that are, that are missing that sense of your, your assurance and your peace and your presence, who, who are searching for it. And I know you hear their prayers. And I pray your blessings and your strength and your comfort. And Lord, we know that there are those of our family, our church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, part of our family here that that hearts are breaking today that tears have been and continue to be shed and and questions are asked that just have no easy answers lord you are the one who begins to heal us in our broken places you are the one that begins to put those pieces back together and to create something beautiful even when our world feels shattered and broken we pray for those who feel that today. We pray for all who long for the hope of Jesus. And we pray your voice would speak healing and restoration into the places it is most needed today. Hear our prayers as we follow the one who calls us to the way of peace, the one who is the Prince of Peace. Help us to both experience and share your peace, and again, your hope, and your love, and your joy. We ask all these things in our sincere hearts. We ask these knowing that you hear us. And as we are united in prayer, we lift our voices together. As we look to Jesus, we pray now the prayer of Jesus. As we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, we're going to do two things right now. The first, I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward as we receive now this morning our tithes and offerings. 
And, uh, and as we do that, I'm going to uh, happily get out of the way as we welcome the choir in this morning as they bring to us this uh, message through music that is our Christmas cantata, Christmas Joy. that twinkle pretty lights that shine I see them up and down the block on every house but mine I see thousand watt winter scenes dancing in her hand might as well get ready here comes the job I
think more is better so it never fails i stock up for the next year at the after christmas sales i don't mean to be a scrooge the kids sure love the thrill still i can't help but think about my next electric bill morning we are here to celebrate the joy that was born into this world over 2,000 years ago we're here to sing about that one night that changed everything when the light broke through the darkness and the heavens lit up the sky with praise it's an old story but every time we hear it our hearts get filled with joy it's hard to imagine what it must have been like on those hills when the angels appeared to the ordinary men the shepherds I am pretty sure all of us would have reacted the same way, face down on the ground, fear and trembling. But what an experience, what an experience to be the first to hear the news that the Savior had been born and hope had come. <laughs> 